You're listening to the Upper Room Frisco podcast. To learn more about UR Frisco, please visit upperroomfrisco.com. Man, worship was so good. Who felt the peace of the Lord tonight? Can we just thank him for that? Thank you, Jesus, for peace that transcends understanding. Who felt the joy of the Lord tonight? Hey, let's thank him. Thank you, Jesus, for the joy of the Lord that is our strength. Thank you for the light that breaks forth and just pushes away all the gloom. It's one of my favorite verses in, in 1 John, that the living expression, the word of God came forward and just burst through all the gloom, all the gloominess. I felt like there was just such a prophetic flow. Ariel and, and Trace, your, your prophetic songs. I felt like I was about to grab the microphone right as you were saying what I was going to say. It was just really, really good. You know, I, I love how 1 Corinthians 14.26 talks about like what a, what a gathering of saints looks like. It says, what, what shall we say then, brethren, when you gather together, one has a teaching or a revelation or a song or a hymn. One has a tongue or an interpretation of a tongue. One has a testimony. We had a testimony tonight. We had Casey and Jeffy and, and Alexis sharing their heart, sharing what they felt from God. We had the musicians prophesying. It's, it's a good old-fashioned potluck, a spiritual potluck where everyone brings a dish. Oh, it's just so good when, when I, I I selfishly want everyone in this room to be 100% yourself. Do you know why? Because if we're not 100% ourselves, then we are robbing the church of, of a manifestation of Jesus. I selfishly want you to be completely yourself so that I get more revelation of the Lord. You know, you can't be anyone else, right? They're all taken. You got to be yourself, <laughs> One time, um, I, uh, I got really nervous before preaching, and, and so I didn't know what I was going to say, and I was like, Lord, what should I do? And I started thinking about one of my favorite preachers, and I was like, what would Brad say? What would he do right now? And so I started talking like Brad and like preaching like Brad, and then all at once, I had like this open vision, and I saw like all these angels hovering above the, the heads of the people in the room, but I could, I could see them clearly, and they all looked at me, and they looked, like, confused. They did, like, and they, like, they're peering in, like, and they, and I heard the Lord saying, those angels can't do what they're meant to do if you're trying to be like someone else. <laughs> so, let's all get free of trying to be like someone else. Amen. I'm so glad that we own this building, y'all. There's uh, a lot of prophetic stuff about this building. Um, Ryan Crowell had a dream a while back that Upper Room Frisco would be at the address 7777, right? 7777? Yeah, and so it had to do with spying out the land, finding a place, and he wrote down four sevens. Well, along comes 7700 Main Street, and here we are. And that was really close, but it wasn't quite close enough for the Lord. So when we did the, the survey and started looking at the size of the building, do you know what the square footage is? 
7,777 square feet. <laughs> this carpet has been watered with your snot and tears. Okay? It's ours. We're going to eventually rip it up. I'm sorry. But it's ours. Like, we have... <laughs> We have already begun to build an altar of incense where praises rise and glory comes down in this place. And we just get to do it more, a fuller expression of what God has wanted to do. Just the doors are wide open now. And there's going to be cool events that happen here. There's going to be our, our children. Oh, how many of you all grew up in the church? Hey, did you like your Sunday school? Do you have some cool moments? I heard no. <laughs> well, we're turning that around here. <laughs> I had so many, like, life-changing moments. Even as a little pipsqueak, I can still remember moments when I felt the glory of God or understood him in a new way. Oh, and, and we get to do that here. Our kids have a place where they get to grow up in the presence. We're going to have romance budding here. We're going to have... <laughs> Special events like weddings and stuff, and there's just going to be, it's so much life is going to happen in these walls. And, and I'm just so grateful to the Lord. And, um, is Luke Davis? Luke Davis and Amanda, would you mind coming up? So, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know. Wait, wait, you're getting ahead. <laughs> Woo! Woo! <laughs> yes! So Luke and Amanda met each other here, and, and Luke wanted to propose to Amanda in service last week. But what happened last week? We, we weren't able to meet. And so they actually still came up here. Luke came up with a sneaky way to, for them to both end up in the building for a good reason. And you proposed here. And we just wanted to celebrate them tonight. And Luke, do you have anything you want to say? Uh, just that I love you all so very much. And just that it's a pleasure to serve here. Um, and it's a pleasure to meet Amanda and to be with Amanda and to one day in the near future marry Amanda. Um, and I'm so happy that she's my fiance and that we're engaged. So thank you. You want to say anything? I love when you talk, Amanda. Would you like to say anything? Uh, well, yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, it's a little, it's on subject, but a little off subject, if that's okay. Like, I just want to praise the Lord. <laughs> um, so I got saved in 2009, and I did 10 years with the Lord. So on December 2nd, it will be 11 years, so this is my 11th year. And the Lord in this last year has answered so many prayers. Like prayers I prayed 10 years, 20 years. I'm 33, so I'll, I can go back. I'll say 30 years. I mean, but it's like, and like things that are not just like someone could do it for me. It was things that the Lord did. Like, um, 
I couldn't breathe through my right nose, the Lord opened it up and now I can breathe through both my nose. I had a lot of social anxiety and fear and he removed it. It's gone. Um, I mean, on subject, but not, but a little, he's the answer prayer. Like, like, I mean, every little girl, you know, you know, we pray for our husbands and it's like, I didn't even know the man that I wanted until I met him and he pursued me and he showed me who Christ was like in a man. And it was like so beautiful. And then it's like, I come from a very broken family and I prayed that the Lord would give me a man that would have a family who's united and loves each other and his family, they're all, they're united and they love each other and they brought me and he brought me to a family. Oh man, what are the other ones, honey? Do you remember? (laughs) No, I mean like, I mean, I'm not kidding. Like I know that, oh, okay. If I'm being real, I had... A very traumatic, this is like a big whopper. It was like, <laughs> but, it, but it was like, I had a very traumatic thing that happened in my life in 2012. And it caused me to be very fearful of talking to Jesus. Because I was afraid I wasn't talking to Jesus. That I was talking to a false Jesus. And so I mainly had been focusing in my, like, don't get me wrong, like, I still heard times of, like, talking to Jesus, but it mainly, I was, I had a lot of fear of talking to him, so I mainly talked to, like, Father and Holy Spirit and just prayed and asked the Lord, Lord, help me restore my heart to where I could talk to Jesus again. And he did it this year. (laughs) And I can, like, sit and talk with him, and he's just and I can, I'm back to how I felt before, just his kindness and his goodness and his love towards me. It's just this year has been so good. And it's like, it was funny, Luke and I were, t- I know, I totally went around, is it okay? <laughs> okay. Like, I know this year has been like awful for so many people. COVID, elections, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, like how Corey preached the other night, it was, or the other two weeks ago. It's like we have to get our eyes above because the Lord is doing so many things for us. And he's blessing us so much. Like in James, it says, like it talks about like how we come to maturity is through persecution, is through hardships, is through trials. And I can say without a doubt, I'll sit down, I'll talk to you. I've been through so many trials. And it's like I've come out on the end loving the Lord more and more. And it's like I know... I know 2020 is a year that we as a church, we're going to come out loving the Lord more and more. Trials are not meant to cause us to turn to the Lord. It's caused, I mean, to turn away from the Lord. It's caused us to turn to him. And it's like the only time the Lord brings up trials is because we are to love him more. And I just know this and I'm totally going to kind of steal this. I'm sorry. So my dad, I'm being honest, you're my family, I love you. So my, my dad has COVID um, and he's 66 um, and he has asthma and he doesn't know the Lord. And, um, and he had it for two weeks and it turned into 
uh, pneumonia in his lungs. He has asthma, and it turned into pneumonia in his lungs. And so he went into the hospital on Friday. And I'm just like, it, it was funny because the day before was Thanksgiving, and I was just praising and thanking the Lord so much for all he's done. And then the next day, my dad goes in, and I'm just like, I'm sad, but I was just like, Lord, I was like, isn't this such a great opportunity for him to come to know you? You know, and so if you guys can, just be lifting him up in prayer for healing and for him to know the Lord, because that's, that's the most important thing, because it's like, but yeah, so I wanted to share that. Please pray. His name's Brock Andriola. Pray for him. He needs to know the Lord, and oh, oh, how he would be so, but I believe that this is the time for it because the Lord has done so many good things. Why can't he save my family? Why can't he save my dad in this year through COVID? Amen. See, I love it when she talks. Hey, let's pray for Brock, her dad right now. You know, this is a little bit odd, but can I have the elders just stand? In, in James, it, it says that when one is sick, call on the elders to anoint them with oil. That they'd be healed. And so even though we're not in the room with Brock right now, we know that that is no obstacle for the Lord. So right now we all come together in agreement that the word of the Lord would be stretched forth to heal Brock. We speak to his lungs, that his lungs would be made clear and healthy. Just clear him out right now, Lord. Touch his body. Let power flow through him. Completely restore his health. And while you're at it, Lord, just get rid of the asthma permanently. Let this be a testimony to your goodness. If y'all want to pray. Yes, so we thank you for healing, but also, God, we ask that you would bless their love. Jesus, we ask that you would bless this marriage union. We ask that you would bless their time of being engaged, that it would be such a blessing. Yes, every, all the planning, all the family dynamics, everything, we just bless them with clear communication. We bless them with joy in the process, Jesus. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the testimony of their love. Lord, I thank you that you healed me supernaturally from asthma. And I release that testimony over Brock in the name of Jesus as a spirit of prophecy that he will stand up and walk out of that hospital room with no pulmonary issues in the name of Jesus complete and total healing from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. Lord, breathing that's so easy and free. And God, I thank you that he encounters your spirit right where he is right now, God. I thank you for dreams and visions. But I thank you that he hears your voice and he knows you in, in a way that he's never known you before. Yes, Lord, we call up mighty men. Today is uh, an example of, uh, of Luke being a mighty man in the Lord. 
So this is a call to, to all the mighty men to rise up as an example for today. The mighty men to rise up and lead homes. For all you women out there who are looking for mighty men, they still exist. This is a testimony right here of God's goodness. God's goodness. And so we just bless you both. We affirm you. We speak the blood of Jesus over your father, over Brock. His best days are ahead. Luke, bless you, my friend, Amanda, sweet girl. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, and as um, we were praying for your dad, Amanda, I feel like um, as he's in the ICU intensive care unit, I feel like that the love of God is going to intensely care for him and that he is going to come out a new creation. So, Father, we just say yes to a new creation and brought God, even as um, Cheryl just prayed, new, fresh lungs, everything God just made completely new by your blood in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, and we just thank you for Brock, Father. We just invite him into your kingdom, Jesus, and we speak life over him, life over his body, Father, life over his spirit. And we just uh, just pray that you would touch him, touch his heart, touch this family, Father. We thank you for the testimonies to come, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Didn't it feel, I, I was feeling this, maybe someone else was feeling this. I was feeling like I was in like a a boardroom just now and like and we were talking business and we were orchestrating and governing i felt like um you know like the like a big planning room of heaven where where things are decreed that's what i felt like while we were doing, i felt like we were doing business with the lord did anybody else feel that like while we were just going through all this stuff and shouldn't that be what it's like when saints gather that we're in a boardroom with the king where he can stretch forth his scepter from that place. <sighs> mm. I grew up in, a, it's called the, the Vineyard Church. Anybody familiar with the Vineyard Movement? So um, one of the things the Vineyard was really famous for was worship. It was a, a new expression, a fresh expression of praise. And there were so many musicians and songwriters that came out of that movement and there's vineyards that were planted all over all over the world and <clears throat> I grew up in a worshiping family my parents loved the holy spirit from before I was born and so I grew up in the presence of the lord experiencing corporate praise moments and and seeing uh, my my parents and elders and the people that I looked up to laying hands on the sick. And I saw them, um, <clears throat> excuse me, there's just a lot of power on the, the testimony tonight. We were singing about our, our story. I just feel like there's just power on our histories with God tonight. Um, and so I, I grew up in, in nearly daily worship moments and I remember wanting to learn guitar just so that I could be one of the cool guys on stage. You know, we were like one of the first church movements that had a whole band. You know, back in the late 70s and early 80s, if you had an electric guitar and a drum on stage, you might be a cult. You know what I mean? Like my parents, my, my friends at school didn't know what to think, what to make of 
when I told them you know, what kind of church that I had, and I'd always be inviting them and bragging and how cool it is to come to church. And they, they hate going to church or they, they hate going to mass or whatever. It's just boring for them. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, come to my church. Like, <laughs> there's something weird that happens every week. <laughs> Uh, so when I learned guitar, I, I remember as a 14-year-old as a kid, as soon as I was able to string, you know, three or four chords together, I would sit on my floor and worship the Lord. And I remember, this happened a few times, but I, I definitely remember the first time when I'm alone in my room and I'm just crying out to the Lord with a pure little worship song that I wrote myself and, and I got caught up into ecstasies with the Lord. And I had my first open vision. And many, you know, many after that. And, and I had like my own sanctuary. I, I read um, Brother Lawrence's book, Practicing the Presence of God, where you're continually just turning, turning within that, that, that sanctuary of, of meeting place with the Holy Spirit inside. And Brother Lawrence was, was famous because he was a monk and he just had monk duties where he had mop and clean dishes, but he would practice the presence of the Lord and enjoying the, the affections of the Lord washing over him and then offering it back in praise. And then feeling the affections wash over him again and offering it back in praise. And feeling the affections of the Lord wash over him again and offering it back in praise. And he just wanted to live in that place continually. So much so that while he was washing dishes and mopping floors, people would come from miles around to watch him visibly shine with the glory of God. And I, and I had... Those were the books I was reading when I was 14 years old. And I was rollerblading around my neighborhood listening to preachers on cassette tape from my little Walkman. <laughs> and I just had to have more of them. I remember in worship moments, I, I, I heard the voice of the Lord. I heard it, it had to have been audible. That's how, anybody ever experienced that before? Like, you don't know if it's the internal audible or just internal or the, the still small voice or a booming voice. It's just like, it's so there that you don't know if you heard it with these ears or these ears. You know what I mean? I've seen miraculous healings in worship. I've seen people throw down their drugs on stage. <laughs> in worship, I've seen people manifest demons and get delivered in worship. And that corporate expression of praise, it's just, it's magnified. The, the goodness of the Lord is magnified when the saints come together and sing of his goodness. You guys know what I'm saying? You can say hallelujah, you know what I mean? Like, it's just so good when saints gather and worship him. I've seen people, during worship, I've seen people drop their car keys on the stage because they're giving it an offering, giving their car an offering. I've seen people walk forward in the corporate anointing, and, and they're, they're, they're crying, and they're walking up with their laptop and their Air Jordans, and they're leaving it on stage, thinking, this is, this is my offering to the Lord. You know, the church can sell the laptop and the, <laughs> and the sweet Air Jordans and, and use it however the church needs to use it. Like, I've just experienced, I've discovered things about God by singing to him that I never could have discovered by thinking. 
when you sing to the Lord, it has this ability to open you up to the revelatory realm. And when you're singing of his goodness, it's almost like the whispers and truths of his goodness and reality sneak past the watchful dragons in our minds. I've seen this glory cloud show up. My, in a worship moment, my best friend's tooth turned gold. Now y'all are looking at me like I'm a weirdo. I wouldn't have believed it, except that he was my best friend and he hated hype. He did not like to be the Holy Spirit's wingman, like hyping him up, like, you know, this just rah, rah, rah. He did not like, he grew up in church, was wounded by church, had a long history of coming back into a tender place with the Lord. He comes to a worship meeting and his tooth turns gold and he showed me. He ran up to me and showed me where it used to be a normal tooth. I mean, there's just, there's more, guys. When you think you've been baptized by the Holy Spirit, get ready, the another dunking is coming. He is a good dunker. He dunks more than Air Jordan. <laughs> In worship moments, I, there's been two times when I've smelled the fragrance of the Lord show up, and it wasn't just me. It hit 500 people at the same time. One time, it was so intense that the band was just rocking. We were at this just crescendo of praise, and we all went, and the band kind of like train wrecked, and the worship leader goes, and everyone, and he's like, Y'all smell that? And someone in the back is, says, yeah, we smell it. And someone over here is like, I smell it. And it's like roses and incense and like adrenaline. That's what it smelled like. It smelled like, <laughs> it smelled like a wild mountain. And someone who had a deaf ear opened up right then, just because the presence of the Lord showed up. In a worship moment, I have collided mid-air, full speed, in a crazy dance with one of my good friends. I mean, we hit so hard that we bounced off each other and landed flat on our backs on the floor. And we just laughed. It's like we got more drunk in the presence of the Lord. If it was on film, it would be viral, like... I've just had so many incredible moments in, in worship with the Lord. 16 years ago, I was traveling with a guy named Lou Engel and some, of, some other interns of his. And we drove way out to this backwoods campground in Alabama where they were having a revival meeting. And Lou's flight gets delayed because <coughs> he's flying in and we're driving in. He, his flight gets delayed and he calls me and asks me to preach at this big tent revival and I'm 21 years old, 22 years old. I don't know what I'm doing, but I tell him yes. And guys, worship at this tent in the middle of the woods in Alabama was so unhinged. Like there was slide guitar, banjos. I mean, like people were dancing. I mean, they were just getting it. They were celebrating the goodness of the Lord in the most country way I have ever seen in my entire life. 
It was like a sea of tambourines, too. There were, there were shofars everywhere. There was so much party, business in the front, party in the back going on. There were so many mullets. It was like a sea of mullets just waving back and forth like a harvest field ripe for the harvest. Like... <laughs> And then they, they hit this song. They hit this song, and everybody knew what this song was, and it was Jesus on a white horse kind of song. It was a real victorious return to Jesus song, and it just, it just it went up another notch. Like the whole tent is just going crazy. And I kid you not, out of the woods comes galloping horse, horses. <laughs> And there's four horses, and, you know, there's four riders on them. It wasn't just a completely crazy moment. There are four riders. They all had had these huge flags, and the the horse in the front was white, and these flags were just these amazing displays of Pentecostal glory. (laughs) And they're just galloping around the tent. And everybody, it goes up another notch. People are just going crazy at this point. And, and as they're galloping around, like full speed, it was, it was dangerous. Like if a kid was wandering around there, he got, whoo, thank you, Lord. So these guys are just flying around the tent. And it looked like this. Everybody's worshiping, but they're going, yeah, and they're rotating slowly. <laughs> All the way around, just screaming while the horses make a couple laps. And that was the weirdest worship moment of my entire life. I don't even know, remember what I preached. I mean, I was just trying to concentrate, but this, I had to enjoy this moment. It was so incredible. Uh, I'm, I'm sure I preached something about the love of God or revival with a side of religious spirit. Um, <laughs> it's just who I was back then. <laughs> uh, but... It, uh, have you ever thought about this? Like, isn't it odd that our self-giving, other-centered God would require worship? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, what if, what if I told you to worship me? <laughs> what if, like, tonight I said, okay, let's sing of my glory, guys. Everybody, what you got? Like, lift up a song. Praise me. Like, you would think I was narcissistic, (laughs) full of myself. I mean, it's certainly unsafe, and you wouldn't come back next week. But why, so why does God command or require or ask of our worship? I mean, what if he knows something? What if he knows that special, mystical things happen when we worship? See, God doesn't have, like, this need to be worshipped. It's not like he, his, his glory isn't on a battery that runs down. It's not like this, you know, his glory is getting lower and lower and lower and lower. And he's like, okay, guys, I need you to give my glory back to me. Like, <laughs> he has unending glory. He has so much glory that he gave it to all of humanity. He crowned us with glory, right? What is man that you are mindful of him? You made him a little lower than angels, and yet you crowned him with glory. He's not stingy with it, and he doesn't run out of it. And I think about how um, in the throne room scene that Corey preached on a couple weeks ago, there are these elders 
throwing down their golden crowns. And I think about how that's like the, the glory that we've been crowned with, or the, the incredible victorious moments of our life. You know, the, it's like the testimony of a life lived in the presence of God, the glory that he's crowned us with. We get to heaven and we finally have this moment where we get to throw it at his feet in this crescendo of praise and say, every bit of glory that I had had its origin in you. And those guys, I know that they're just so delighted when they see him face to face on that sea of crystal with the seven blazing torches and the emerald rainbow surrounding the throne and the thunders and lightnings and voices and the creatures covered and eyes singing holy, holy, holy. They, I mean, all around them is the most spectacular scene in the world. Anywhere they look would be a greater sight than we have ever seen in our entire lives. They could look anywhere in this room, but they're all fixated on this one place. And they're delighted to throw down every ounce of glory that they carried throughout their lives. He asks us to worship him. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 6 and says, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through him then let us continually, continually Offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. John 4, 23 through 24, it says that the Father is looking for those who will worship in spirit and in truth. He is asking for worship. But why? What if he knows that if we worship him, we would experience the greatest moments of joy, satisfaction, fulfillment, purpose, and identity. As we are singing to him who he is, he has an opportunity to sing over us who we are. So I, I used the adjectives of self-giving and other-centered a moment ago, and he's always been that way. But who, who could he be other-centered on? Who could he be self-giving to before he created us? The Father, Son, Holy Spirit, for eternity past, we're experiencing, giving, and receiving unending love and honor to one another. Perfectly satisfied, perfectly fulfilled. It was the greatest divine romance and dance of love. And comes a moment from eons past when they said within themselves, we got to expand this party. Let us make man in our own image. And he brought us into existence to bring us in to the divine romance, constant union, constant satisfaction, constant 
adoration, constant giving and receiving of love. If you are wondering what if you're wondering what you were created for, it's this. To dwell between the love of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Is God good? How could we know it unless he had someone to be good to? Is God love? How could he be love if he didn't have one to shower his love upon? I've heard the Trinity one time described as the lover, the beloved, and the love they share. See, God has never been alone. And you can see this manifested several times throughout Scripture, but one of my favorites is when Jesus honors the Father with obedience to fulfilling all righteousness and allows a man who he spoke into existence to dunk him into waters. And John T. Baptist, John the Baptist, (laughs) takes Jesus, the ultimate dunker, puts him underwater, and when Jesus comes up, there's Jesus in the flesh, the incarnation. And what comes from heaven? The voice of the Father. This is my beloved Son. And then what else comes? The Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. There's the three of them, other-centered, self-revealing, honoring one another, Once again, guys, this is the one thing from Psalm 27 that David saw and had to keep seeing. This is why the disciples' hearts burned within them on the road to Emmaus when Jesus showed up and prophesied from beginning of Scripture his pre-existence to them. We will only find our purpose and truest joy when we know that he is love, he is our father, and we exist because he wanted to bring us into eternal ecstatic fellowship, and worship is one of the greatest expressions of that. So worship predates creation. When we worship we join a, an event that's been going on in the unseen realm forever. And God, he created angels and, and archangels and all sorts of cool spirit beings you can read about in Scripture. And they are all part of the party. So are the saints who went before us, the great cloud of witnesses. When we open up our mouths and sing to him, we are stepping into a realm of unseen worship, party, heaven descending on earth. I'm almost out of time. I'm having so much fun talking about Jesus. Our firstborn son, his name is Judah. When we were pregnant with him, we didn't know if, it was, if he was a boy or a girl. It was before the sonogram. 
And, um, and so we were thinking up names. And for, we had girl names and boy names, and I really liked the name Shiloh. And Ashley really liked the name Judah. And Ashley was reading straight through Genesis and had reached Genesis 49, where Jacob is blessing his sons. And she, and she reads, the scepter will not depart from Judah until Shiloh comes. And so we're like, oh, sweet. It's a boy, but we're going to have two. The first one's going to be named Judah, and the second will be named Shiloh. So the sonogram comes along four months. We find out it's a boy. We're like, yes. We're so prophetic. <laughs> we're just elated. It was, it was a holy moment. So he's born. We name him Judah. Judah. Judah is born. We have girl after him. We're like, okay, it's all right. Another girl after that girl. We're like, all righty then. We've got a lot of kids here. Another girl after that. And we're like, so we had boy, girl, girl, girl. And we're like, we missed the prophetic word. Like, we got the first half right. Thank you, Lord, for Judah. Shallow, maybe he's like a spiritual baby or we're going to adopt. Like, <laughs> we don't know. And so <clears throat> a few years go by and we, we feel like we're done having kids. Um, not because of like some holy decision, just because we were completely overwhelmed. And, <laughs> and, and so, <clears throat> uh, gosh, this was a year and a half ago. I have a dream uh, last summer. And in the dream, uh, an angel essentially hands me a perfect little baby boy. And, and she pulls it out, like, out of an egg. It's this really cool moment. And she's handing me this, this baby, and my hands are shaking. And as I'm receiving this baby boy, and I'm saying, whose is this? And she's laughing. She's saying, whose do you think he is? He looks just like you. And, I'm, and I've fallen in love with this newborn boy right here. And, and the angel's still waiting there with her hands like this. And she's essentially giving me the opportunity to keep him or hand him back. And in the dream, I was yelling for Ashley first, and I was also thinking there's not a power in heaven or hell that could pull this baby boy out of my arms. I woke up from that dream, weeping into my pillow. I told Ashley the dream, and she's like, I thought we were done. I was like, I thought we were done too. But I can't, I mean, I had this dream. It's, it's just, it's a dream. And I even like, I was like, maybe it just requires interpretation. And so I called up one of my prophetic buddies and I told him the dream. I was like, hey, what do you think this dream means? And he starts laughing. He's like, you are a dummy. Like, <laughs> this doesn't require interpretation. You're supposed to have a child. And so we were pregnant and, and we, you know, it was a step of faith. And, and you know, we, we may have had another girl. Like, we got really good at making girls. And, um... And sure enough, the, ultra, the, the sonogram, the ultrasound, or whatever you call it, comes, and it's a boy. And ever since Judah was born, he was asking for a baby brother. He wanted a brother so bad. And we're like, buddy, we tried. We tried to give you. No one can fault us. We tried to give you a little brother. And so when we knew it was a boy, our kids didn't even know that Ashley was pregnant yet, and so we orchestrated this cool little scavenger hunt around, their house, around our house, and the scavenger hunt would end with them coming to a cake at the table, and on the top of the cake was scrolled words, Mommy has a baby in her tummy. And they saw it, and they're like, what? This, I mean, how? Like, <laughs> we're like, later, later, we'll tell you. So, 
And, and then we said, but not only that, we know if it's a boy or a girl, and if you cut open the cake, there's either pink frosting or blue frosting. And we let Judah cut open the cake, and when he saw blue frosting, he just began to weep. And he went over and hugged his mommy's tummy because he was finally getting his baby brother. Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. He wanted to bring you into this family more than Judah wanted to bring a baby brother into our family. And now we all get to enjoy unbroken communion within the family of God. We get to run to him unafraid and unashamed with confidence like children run to dad. Worship is eternal, and it ushers us into the same party that is thundering in heaven right now. Will you guys stand with me? Father, we're often undone by your goodness, and we love it. Father, we're often just speechless at the things that you do and say, the whispers. Thank you for that wisdom and revelation. The spirit of wisdom and revelation has been poured out on us and in our hearts. I ask God that the vision of upper room would continue to find fertile soil in Frisco, that we would be a people who minister to your heart through worship, through prayer, and that your presence would transform our lives and the lives of everyone around us and the lives of the people in Frisco, that there would be a tangible anointing over this property like we've heard in ages past when revival breaks out and people enter the city where revival is happening and they feel the presence of God and drop to their knees. We ask for that same kind of wall of anointing, that there would be fire within and fire around. Thank you for this building. Would you all put a hand on a chair near you? Put your hand on a chair. Lord, we anoint these chairs to be places of encounter that whoever sits in these chairs from this day forward would know your goodness. They would have life-altering moments in your presence as they are on, around, or are sitting in these chairs. And stomp your feet on this ground with me. Lord, anoint this ground for places of encounter that there would be more face plant moments where people realize that you are who you say you are. Right here, that there would be more tears, there would be more faces on this carpet, Jesus, that there would be more feet dancing upon these carpets, Jesus. If you're close to a wall, put your hand on a wall. Guys, this is what we do when we move into a new house. This is what Ashley and I do. We say this is Yahweh's property, Yahweh's domain, and only things that he approves of will happen in these walls. We anoint this place with the oil of our hands. That this building would be protected and it would be a place of encounter. Father, we bless all the inner workings of this building. We bless our neighbors. 
We ask that we would be a blessing to everyone around us. Thank you for the opportunity to steward this building for your kingdom. Help us to do it really well, Lord. We worship you in spirit and in truth, and we are grateful. We are thankful. We humbly say that you get all the credit. Everything good in my life came from you. We ask that this holiday season, this Christmas season, would be a time of even more thankfulness and celebration and intimate fellowship with our families. In Jesus' name, amen.